welcome to the Empowering Agency Workers, a podcast for all temporary workers. If you're unsure of your rights, unsure how to find work, or just plain unsure, we're here to help. It's all too easy to be exploited, so your expert host, Julia Kermode, will empower you to succeed. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm really pleased to have with me Rebecca Seely Harris. Now, she is a specialist legal consultant in employment and tax status, and she's been working in this area for oh, probably more years than she wants me to mention, but I would <laughs> guess um, 20 years or so, something like that. She's also an author, and today we're talking about holiday and how that affects temporary workers. So, Warm welcome, Rebecca. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you very much, and thanks for inviting me. Perfect. So we'll dive straight in, if we may. So the reason why I've got you on today is there was a recent holiday pay case in relation to a company called Pimlico Plumbers, and that has implication for temporary workers. So could you perhaps start us off by outlining what went on there and and what it's all about? I want to mention that Gary Smith, who was the plumber, had been fighting this for 11 years by the time it got to the Supreme Court. Sorry, the Court of Appeal. He, I think it's very well known that he went through the sort of prelim of of, um, trying to establish whether he was actually a worker Mm -hmm. because he was engaged as a self-employed plumber. So this would have gone through the tribunal, through the EAT, up to the Court of Appeal and through to Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court said, yes, you are a worker. Yeah. Then it was sent back to the Employment Tribunal to discover how much holiday pay he was entitled to. And the Employment Tribunal said none. This is how we end up in yet another row of cases, if you like. So it went through the EAT and up to the Court of Appeal. The EAT, the Employment Appeal Tribunal, agreed with the Employment Tribunal. Smith appealed again. And uh, then it went to the Court of Appeal and the Court of Appeal reversed it. And that's where we're at now is we're at with the Court of Appeal decision which has ruled in uh, Gary Smith's favour. Okay, gosh, that sounds like such a long, complicated process. So I'm doubly glad to have you here to, <laughs> to, to kind of shed some light on it. So what went on then? Because I think the, the outcome of this was published earlier this year, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, it's very technical and it's very complicated. But basically, okay. there was another case called King and Sash Windows, which had decided on the point of holiday entitlement that had been untaken and unpaid. Mm-hmm. Now, that's different to what happened in the Pimlico Plumbers case, because in the Pimlico Plumbers case, the holiday was taken, but unpaid. And ah, the okay. problem is, unless you ask the specific question in, a, in a, a court of law and in the case, the judgment can't then detail those questions. So that question hadn't been answered. Ah. And that's what the Pimlico Plumbers case was all about. And the court then said that, yes, now under King's Ash Windows and Pimlico Plumbers, both taken and untaken and unpaid holiday should be an entitlement for a worker. Right. Okay. So whether or not it's taken, if it's been accrued, then that worker should be entitled to have it. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's correct. I think what we need to understand also is in both King and Sash Windows and Smith and Pin and Code Plumbers, both individuals had been self-employed. So they had worked for many years as a self-employed plumber. And I think the other person was a, a, a Windows salesman, mm-hmm. both self-employed. So they hadn't thought they were entitled to any holiday pay. So the reason for the back pay going back for the entire period of employment was because the court now says they're a worker and because they hadn't been paid for the entire period. So this is how it needs to be established. You have to go through the prelim of establishing Mm -hmm. first that you're a worker. Yeah. And then you get the holiday pay entitlement. If you are an agency worker, as Mm -hmm. in you're actually a temp and you are on books, 
or you're an umbrella company worker, then yes. you should be entitled as because of these judgments, but you are not automatically entitled because it's not enshrined in statute yet. Okay, okay. So so they are entitled, but not necessarily automatically. I, yeah. I, that sounds a little confusing to me. Obviously, it isn't because you're the legal person. So what does, how come, if that's not going to be too technical? Well, <laughs> no, the problem is, so we have a judgment from the Court of Appeal. First of all, actually, I'm going to go back a little bit and say, it could go up to the Supreme Court. It could have gone up to the Supreme Court. But okay. Pimlico Columbus has been sold. So oh. Charlie Mullins was the driving force behind all these case actions. Yes. Pimlico Columbus has now been sold to an American company and they have very clearly said they're not interested right. in this argument. So we are assuming there will be no appeal. So the Court of Appeal stands and is binding, which is great because it's uh, it's a good and it's clear judgment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So what does it mean then for for agency workers and umbrella workers out there who might be listening? Well, th- this is where the confusion is because mm. we've got a, a binding precedent in the Court of Appeal in, in Smith and Pimlico Plumbers. And I think a lot of people have assumed that there is an automatic right that they can now get backdated holiday pay and I've seen online on LinkedIn and Twitter you know people some people advising that they they should now go to their umbrella companies and demand this back pay yeah you can do that but the umbrella company doesn't necessarily have to take any notice and they would be very unwise not to for all sorts of reasons but they don't have to until it is enshrined in statute so the legislation is regulation 13 of the working time regulations and in fact, which I find fascinating, is that the <laughs> judgment in Smith and Pimlico Plumbers, which is quite unusual, actually has some suggested amendments to Regulation 13 right. to bring it in line with the case law. But okay. It hasn't been enacted yet. Okay. And I think that's quite unusual, isn't it, for them to suggest the written changes? Yeah, I, I think it's unusual, but I think it's very intelligent of whether it is the, the I think the judges suggested mm-hmm. that both sides of the argument went away and worked together on these amendments for the for the benefit of government. Unfortunately, government has actually acted on it yet. But when it is in statute, then you will have an automatic right. At this moment in time, if the umbrella company doesn't take any notice of it, take it to tribunal because the case law will back it up in tribunal. So yeah. even though it's not an automatic right, it will back you up. Uh, presumably, if you've got if all the facts line up, yes. then you would yes. be able to take it to tribunal. Yeah. No, that's. That's good. And is there a time limit to do that? I, I've, I've got a feeling that there is. There, There is. I think this is the other confusion because there is a time limit of three months. Yeah. Now, but in both King Slash Windows and Pimlico Plumbers, they're outside the three months. And that's what mm-hmm. the cases were arguing. But because of the unusual, unusual situation that had been working for years, the court very cleverly managed to do away with that three months. But you have to be quite careful. If you leave the employee, then you've got three months from, I think it's the point of when, for example, the holiday pay isn't paid. So you have to establish when that point is either on termination of contract, because termination of contract is a different situation to being paid your holiday pay, which is probably another thing that we should just quickly look into is how holiday pay should be paid. Yes. Because it's different on termination um, other than whether you're actually working on it. Okay, yeah. Quickly run us through that then. That's a really good point. For example, if you are an umbrella company worker, part-time worker, agency worker, mm-hmm. then most people would want to be paid rolled up holiday pay. But unfortunately, rolled up holiday pay is actually technically illegal. 
The reason it's technically illegal is because the whole point of holiday entitlement is not about the pay, it's about health and safety, and it's about you actually taking time off. So the accrued holiday pay method, which is technically correct, is that you accrue the time, you then say, I want to take this holiday off, and then your employer pays you when you take that holiday off. That's the accrued method. Yeah. The problem is we've been finding, which I think is very well documented, is that umbrella companies have not been telling the workers they're entitled, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the year, they lose their right. Yeah. Another point of Pimlico Plumbers that has backed that up and has very clearly said, basically, unless you have specifically told the worker that they are entitled and you have encouraged them to take that time off, they will not lose that right at the end of the holiday year. Now, that's really important because I I think some of the wording in the umbrella contract state that if you haven't claimed your holiday by, I don't know, 31st of December, you then lose it. But if you don't know or if, if they haven't been encouraging you to take that holiday, then I think, and it is just my opinion, and I'm interested in yours, that you've then got um, a potential argument following on from the logic of, of the Pimlico case to say, actually, you didn't tell me to. So, I mean, have, have I, I'm probably being a bit too simplistic, but is that... No, not at all. In fact, actually, what's interesting is there was a case uh, way back in uh, 2018, although it's not that far away, but in case law terms, Kreuziger and Landbellin and also Max Planck, Gestell, Gesellschaft and... Shimizu. This must um, be in Germany. <laughs> two European cases which yeah. said that employers must be um, employers must alert the worker to the outstanding holiday entitlement. Right. So there was already a case law there to say you should be telling your workers that they are entitled. Okay. Pimlico Plumbers has now backed that up to say you have to specifically and transparently tell your workers that they must take this holiday because the yeah. whole point is about health and safety. Yeah. The other problem is that they are usually ad hoc, part-time, temporary, not permanent workers. Mm -hmm. And the holiday entitlement legislation is set up for the permanent workforce, which is why it's really outdated, which is why myself and James Moiser have been campaigning through the Fair Umbrella campaign to get this legislation changed because it doesn't work. And in fact, Matthew Taylor in the Taylor Review recommended that rolled up holiday pay should be used. Yeah, because it does then actually mean that the worker will actually get paid if they want to take the time off. But uh, the government didn't take forward those recommendations because it is contrary to the working time directive. Yeah. Even though now we are no longer in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it drives me mad. I completely agree. I remember when I saw that in his report and I was like, yes, because World Up Holiday Pay, for exactly what you've just said, it means that you get the holiday that you're entitled to. So just for listeners, all all it is, is your pay rate is increased to take account of the holiday you'd be accruing. So when you do take time off, you don't get paid for it. Now, Coming back to the accrued holiday, when people do take time off and you then get your share of the accrued holiday at that point, I'm not sure that workers even know that it's necessarily being accrued for them. But that's that's a whole other conversation for another time. But what's really interesting in what you've just said is... Well, no, but they should. This is the whole point. The employer should be telling them they are entitled to holiday. Yeah. And that's what the Pimlico Plumbers case has made very clear, is if you are not specifically and transparently telling your workers they're entitled to accrued holiday pay, then they won't lose their right um, to the payment at the end of that year. And it will then accrue until termination of the contract, which could actually end up in quite a long time. So 
that is really forcing uh, employers to make sure that they are very upfront about the holiday entitlement to the workers. Yeah, totally. And and then the case you've just mentioned in 2018 also says that you should have already been doing that anyway. So this shouldn't exactly. actually be news, should it? Yeah. <laughs> in terms of that then, so if a worker hasn't had their pay, their, their holiday pay, and they have been accruing it, and they haven't been told that they're entitled to it, then if they did want to ask for it, how is, is that kind of, do they have to go to tribunal? Do, do they, do they kind of, what, what, what would your advice be on that? Just Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, again, this is another thing that we've been uh, campaigning for, because at the moment, the worker has no backup. Yeah, you have the employment agency standards inspector. Um, and actually, we've been speaking to Bayes, and they've said that um, they will help a worker if, if a worker gets, oh, good, uh, gets in touch. But there is no statutory protection if you like and that would be the whole point of regulation of the umbrella company and the protection of the workers mm. because what we need is someone like HMRC to um, be able to take the case on the workers behalf much the same they do with national minimum wage yes. so yeah. they would approach the national minimum wage as, as well as they do the holiday pay so the entitlement is protected by HMRC or whether it's the single new single enforcement body which wasn't yeah. mentioned in the Queen's speech so no. we don't know whether it's actually happening although Bayes have assured us that it's still happening so that is the main problem that the workers don't have that outlet now so they yeah. would at this moment in time have to go to tribunal will oh. with the I mean it's not massive costs if you represent yourself but it's still yeah yeah um, it's, it's still time taken and stress yeah so there's no automatic way to get this money that's that's owed until we get the updated legislation assuming that comes through and assuming that kind of becomes statutory legislation well um, I mean I'd use the court of public opinion myself social media <laughs> yeah I, exactly yeah exactly. I would I would mm. because if, if somebody's not playing fair and I think I'm not going to mention them but I think this this happened fairly recently to a company yeah. that that wasn't uh quite playing by the rules although actually that no sorry that's not fair they are playing by the rules because you know, mm-hmm. technically, they are skirting around the sort of grey areas of this yeah. whole area of holiday entitlement to their benefit, but not for the benefit of the worker. So I think what needs to change is that they need to be doing it for the benefit of the worker. But if you are a worker, yes, your option is tribunal, but get on social media, contact these companies, warn them first, obviously, but um, if they're not going to move on it, then make it public. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I do, I do just, I I am very disappointed in some of the legal arguments I've seen published, which basically are published after the event. And, and I think they, they are exactly um, skirting around the issue, making excuses for not, for not fulfilling their duty of care to their workers but that's, <laughs> that, that's yeah I mean it's a very difficult one because as a lawyer I'm, I, I I would have to say that they are within the law on this yeah uh, they're not actually okay. breaking the law but then you know you've got a moral code that you can stick to yeah I think holiday pay is a very well documented area that you you can improve on I I, I think personally that if you, you're an umbrella company it's very good for your PR to, yeah. to do the right thing but you know that is up to them and until the yeah. law changes they don't actually have to yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm really hopeful that the law does change and everything is stacked up in its favour in all likelihood for things to change, isn't it? So, yeah. OK, and I know that there's also another case bubbling under that we, we've we been waiting to be published for, for a good 
number of months now and it's it's in relation to harper trust and this is related to holiday pay so could you take us quickly through that and what what's going on there yeah so um mrs brazil who's a music teacher took harper's trust which i think is a school mm. to court because very clever actually she is a part-time worker so she's sorry a part-year worker so she's a teacher so she's working for the term time and then she has the holidays off yeah so what happened in this case is she read the working time regulations and uh, absolutely correct in her interpretation of it. And the Court of Appeal has now backed that up. And until we we are, as you say, now waiting for the Supreme Court judgment, the case was in November 2021. We're still awaiting wow. the judgment now, which is extraordinary. So the point in that case was that if you're a part year worker, ACAS recommended that you use 12.07% mm-hmm. as your method of working out how much that person should be paid because they're part year. Yeah. Mrs. Brazil's argument was that because she was a worker within the meanings of the working time regulation, her holiday should not be prorated. And it okay. should, in fact, be exactly the same, same as a full time employee and that she should be entitled to 5.6 weeks pay. The court right. of appeal agreed with her. Okay. That is a very, very significant ruling. So if the Supreme Court, when the judgment eventually comes out, agrees, that is a very significant ruling because that would mean that based on the facts, you would then not have your calculations based on 12.07%. You would have your 5.6 weeks. So actually, in the end of the day, you would be probably paid more than a full-time worker. Wow, that's massive because those of us in the industry of kind of recruitment or umbrella companies, that 12.07% is a, is a very standard way of working out someone's holiday. For that to change and, and, and move in an upward direction is massive, as you say. And I don't know if we have any sense as to whether there's likely to be any backdated claims from anybody as you know um whether that would be possible from the legal kind of case law that would come out yeah i mean again it just depends on what comes out from the supreme court yep. and what their judgment is ordinarily you would have to complain within 3 months of the event happening mm-hmm. or, or termination of the employment now the problem is again with agency workers is you don't necessarily have a termination of employment because you're kind of rolling over your employment yeah. So yeah. actually, the bigger picture is that we need new statute for the changing uh, workforce that we have. And in fact, actually, the government has just announced that there is going to be a future of work review, uh, <laughs> another one. Yes. Uh, even though the Taylor Review's recommendations still haven't been uh, acted on, we're going to have another review. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm laughing. We were both. Um, I I think I posted on your LinkedIn that it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Because you you announced it to, to kind of your followers, and obviously I follow you. Um, and yeah, I don't know how many things we've responded to in the last, even just the last five years. Um, but it just seems that there's a backlog of stuff that they haven't looked at yet, and now they do just announcing another review. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the timeline is uh, the employment status consultation of um, 2018, although that's on a slightly different subject, still hasn't been. Uh, yeah. replied to uh, yeah. but the, gov- the government has agreed with a lot, lot of recommendations they just haven't acted on them um, <laughs> and it seems to me that a, another review will just make it look like they're doing something yeah. um, when they're not actually acting so I, I am quite disappointed and I, I think I've voiced my disappointment on <laughs> you did you did you did um and you know i just think i I think it was partly to appease um those of us who were complaining about the absence of the employment bill in it in the speech but anyway in terms of advice for workers then i guess they should 
try to get their holiday by asking their umbrella or recruitment agency if it's through a recruitment agency directly on their payroll to ask them first of all because there's almost there's a lot of awareness of this in the industry isn't there so they almost should hopefully pay up I mean your first point of call is always to talk to your employer first yeah you know there's absolutely no point in going to a tribunal until you've gone down those routes because they would just turn it down and say you need to talk to you You need to go through you know the proper formalities so Talk to your employer. What I would do is make sure that you listen to podcasts like this and make sure that you <laughs> understand what it is that you're working with. You know, the, the period of time, whether you're in the three months, whether the three months doesn't apply, as in Smith and Pimbecombe, it didn't apply. So you need to understand your position. Um, you yeah. don't need legal advice for that. You can just sort of, you know, there's lots of things you can read up on. Mm-hmm. Talk to your employer. Find out what their response is. First of all, they might they might disagree with you and and yeah. pay out. Yeah. They might not. If they don't, then your next would probably be putting in a grievance. So you have to go down the sort of formal route. Okay. You've got to yeah. exhaust all the formalities yeah. and then you could end up in a tribunal because, as I say, we haven't got any outlet at the moment. Or you could actually contact the Employment Agency Standards Inspectorate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It may be that if you're with um, a large uh, umbrella, for example, and there are a lot of you, then um, I, think, I think actually there's already sort of organised uh, class actions. But you could sort of group together and and put your complaint in writing. But, you know, hopefully there are a lot of very reputable umbrella companies. They're by no means all trying to skim, but you have to give them the opportunity to put this right first. Um, yeah. And then your option would be to go to tribunal. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. Well, I think that's really, really helpful um, place to end. So huge thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's really lovely to, to get your input on this. And no doubt we'll get you back again in future. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Empowering Agency Workers, hosted by Julia Kermode. For more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk where you can also join our growing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.